Today's episode is sponsored by Discovered Magazine. Discovered is an international print counterculture magazine encompassing the best of music, art, skateboarding, and anything with a punk ethos. Listeners get 10% off a yearly subscription using the code FIRSTEVER, spelled out, when you visit store.dscvrd.co. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bolm. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I ask artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week is actor Thomas Mann. You know Thomas from movies like Halloween Kills, Project X, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, Kong Skull Island, and one of my favorites from 2019, Them That Follow. Thomas is awesome. This this interview was a uh, was a ton of fun. This was one of my first ones. Actually, this was my first interview back um, after coming home from tour. Felt really nice. Um, you sometimes worry when you take a break from something for a while if you're still going to enjoy it. And um, Thomas was the perfect. Uh, I don't want to say guinea pig, but I guess he was the perfect guinea pig to decide if I uh, still enjoy doing this. And I absolutely did. This was a blast. Uh, but before we get there, let's talk about my friends at Rootless Coffee, because coffee and movies and TV go together so well. So uh, Rootless Coffee is a small batch roaster out of Flint, Michigan, making high-end coffee with bags designed by some of the comic industry's rising stars, collaborating with artists, bands, brands, nonprofits, wrestlers, comedians, and more. Rootless is the punk rock gateway to craft coffee, easy to understand, and delicious roast options. Listeners can get 20% off their order using the code HARDTIMES at checkout when they visit rootlesscoffee.com. Any size, any grind, any time. Break free from boring. What else is up? Oh, uh, if you have not subscribed to my Patreon, that would mean a whole lot to me. Uh, You can subscribe for as little as $3 a month to get some bonus content, which includes... A bonus episode today with Thomas Mann. Subscribers were able to submit questions to Thomas, and he answered them, and you can hear that now in a bonus episode. Subscribe for $7 or $10 to have the ability to submit questions to upcoming guests. Um, For the $10 level, you get a a gift twice a year, and uh, the gift just arrived in the mail for me to send out to subscribers, and it is a very cool custom seven inch vinyl adapter with the podcast logo on it i am aware that a lot of my listenership are vinyl record people so this felt like the thing to do i'm excited about it they look really they uh, they look great they look really really cool um what else if, i mean just in general if you haven't subscribed to the show on apple or spotify that would mean a whole lot to me or wherever you're listening to this and obviously rating and reviewing the show over on Apple Podcast means a lot. Also, just telling your friends that that is a that is a very helpful thing too. Just to, it's something as simple as a as a tweet, just saying, "Hey, 
Have you checked out the show? I enjoy it. Maybe you might too. All of those things mean a lot to me. Um, it's Thanksgiving week. If that matters to you, happy Thanksgiving. Um, you know, uh, if, if you just like uh, sitting around with your friends and eating food, this is, uh, it's just like any other day. But um, yeah, happy holidays to you there. And um, oh, if you are interested in doing a podcast and you need someone to edit it for you, I want to give a shout out to the editor of this show, Tim Crisp. He's looking for some more work. Hit up betteryetpodcast at gmail.com and he will take on your show and make it sound as nice as this one does. Okay, I think that's all the stuff. Um, this is my conversation with the wonderful, talented Thomas Mann. Thomas, how you doing? It's nice to see you. I'm good. I'm good. It's good to see you as well. I, I when I stopped by yesterday, uh, I was flattered to hear this. Uh, this is your official first podcast you've ever done. Yeah, it is. I'm. I think I've been asked like over Instagram a couple times, but. This just seemed uh, the most interesting and the opportunity to do it for the first time. So, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm very, very flattered. Uh, I was trying to think of the first time that um, we met and I couldn't remember if it was actually at, I don't think it was at the time uh, you came out to the that Touche show in 2019 with with Kier. Was that the first time we met or was there a time before that? I, I genuinely it's all I a blur. think we met at um, that poke place in Silver Lake. That was the first time I actually met you in person. Yes. Yes. Even though I had seen you at a Touche show before. Okay. Thank you. I was trying. It was was like, it was driving me crazy. I was like, oh my God, I could, I like, what was it? But yeah, I remember. Yeah. We, uh, we met up for lunch that one time. That was really nice. Yeah. He's like, Jeremy wants to get lunch. And I was like, Jeremy Bohm? (laughs) Touche Amore? Oh. Uh, actually, just actually for my own, um, selfish reasons, uh, did you see us play in Dallas before or something or was it all, was it in no, California? No, I, no, I didn't see you till I lived out here. Oh, okay. I think uh, the it. first time I saw you might've been at FYF or something like that. Oh, that would make sense. Okay. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, so I've, you know, doing my, uh, my, my little bit of research here. Um, I know you're from Texas, but I saw that you were actually born in Portland. That's right. Portland, Oregon. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Was but I was, I mean, I lived there for like a year and a half, so I don't have a lot of memories there. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in Dallas. I'm, when I, people ask where I'm from, I say Dallas. Yeah, um, that makes but sense. But it is cool. I wish I could say I was from Portland. It seems like a very cool city. I've only visited there several times yeah, what was your As an adult. Uh, was your folks living in Portland or what was the what was the circumstance yeah, for Yeah, my mom was working in advertising out there and my dad was doing something in construction project management and uh, and and yeah, and they lived there for a while and loved it and I forget why they ended up coming back to Dallas because they're both um from Texas originally or they met in like San Antonio, I think. Okay. Yeah, as you yeah. say, that's uh, it, it's quite a quite a climate jump to go from yeah, uh, well, from, <laughs> from Portland. Well, they were skiing all the time. They were like big ski heads or whatever you call them. Um, and then they had me, and then just decided they wanted to be closer to their parents and stuff, who were all in San Antonio. Okay, do you have any siblings? I do have a younger sister who's okay. uh, yeah three years younger than me. Nice uh, mm-hmm. in in Texas still. Yes, she's still in Texas. Awesome. Yeah, and she's got a kid and my. My nephew, who was uh, about to be four, nice. very excited about that. Oh, that's awesome! That's yeah. awesome. Um, when did you actually end up coming out to Los Angeles? What year was that? Uh, two thousand nine. 
I think. I, I, was, I was 17, and um, my buddy Logan, who I, I think you've met Logan before. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've met him uh, a couple, I, once or twice. He Definitely was probably once, one of sure. the Touche shows, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him at, in 2019 at the, uh, the, the Dead Horse show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, yeah, he was, he was actually working on a Disney Channel series. You know, it did, they had Disney XD, which was like the boys' version of Disney Channel. Oh, God. Okay. And, yeah, so, sure. and he was doing a show called I'm in the Band. Um, and so he was, I don't know, the premise was like where he uh, gets to, it's like these old washed up rock stars, but then they like revive the band, but they need like a fresh young face and he like gets to be the kid. And um, so that was like the premise of the show. And he was working on that. And I remember thinking at the time, like that was so cool. I would have done anything to be on a, a Disney show when I was a teenager. I didn't, I was not picky at all. had no like pretension about that whatsoever. Um, but yeah, so we had been in acting classes for a while and then he and his family moved out and I was like, well, maybe I, you know, I'll just come stay with you for a few months and see if I can audition. And, uh, and so I, I did, but I, I mean, I had an agent as well at the time. So, um, it was just like a really serendipitous moment where, uh, they, you know, his family was nice enough to let me crash in this loft. It was like a two bedroom apartment with a loft and I had like a mattress and, uh, a printer, which is really all you need. You know, if you're, <laughs> when you're a, a, a struggling actor, yeah. a place to sleep and a place to print out your sides. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy that you two have been uh, close and, and doing this together for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. We sort of came up in the Dallas uh, commercial scene. There's not a lot of films that are shooting in Dallas. At least there weren't then. And, um, and so... Uh, yeah, so they shoot a lot of Hasbro commercials in, in Dallas. Oh, so we were doing like Super Soaker. We actually met on a Super Soaker commercial. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And he was like the lead of the commercial and I was just the friend. And yeah, um, yeah and we just sort of hit it off. And, we, you know, we were in the sort of same like acting class circles in Dallas. It was <laughs> such a weird little world. Um, but, yeah, I did like uh, a Rubik's Cube commercial of... Uh, some Star Wars thing, but yeah, there were all these toy commercials and that would like kept us busy for the, that's kind of the dream. That's that's kind of like the dream gigs when you're a kid though. Yeah. Yeah. It it felt really cool. Yeah. And we didn't get to keep anything though. People always ask if we got to keep the toys and they never (laughs) let us have anything. That seems cruel. It's, yeah. it's, it's that I feel like they probably could have gotten away with not having to pay kids as much if you just kind of teased them with the getting the chance to go home with all the toys that you're advertising. I don't know. The money was pretty good. <laughs> the money was pretty, pretty good for like a day's work, especially at that sure. age. You know, when you're 16, you know, it's it's insane to make a few thousand dollars for a day, you know? Oh, I'm bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. Um, so when you so, you know, the show is all about first experiences and stuff. So like, um it sounds like you were interested in, in acting at a, at a, at an early age. Do you remember what, I guess maybe the first time that you connected with something that you watched as a young person, like maybe like a first er, like a first favorite movie when you were young that, that made you like excited about, you know, potentially doing it. You know, this is uh, such a weird question because I don't have like one of those moments, like singular moments where I knew I wanted to be an actor. Mm-hmm. It was sort of, it was something I always was interested in, fascinated by, and I loved movies. And my parents were very en- enthusiastic about movies. And um, and so I just had a general love for it. 
uh, or a general fascination for the whole, just that whole world and the world of performing too. I just knew I wanted to do something creative in that way. Um, but I, I remember I was, I think I was 13 or 14 and, um, that movie, Little Miss Sunshine came out and I remember seeing Paul Dano in that movie cause he doesn't talk for like the whole thing. I've told this story before. Um, I hope Paul Dano hasn't heard me talk about this because if I ever get to work with him, he's going to be like, dude, you need to shut up about Little Miss Sunshine. Like, it was forever ago. Well, I mean, but, in, in but, your defense, that was also the first time that I think I was even exposed to his to him as an actor. You know? Yeah, I think he, exactly. He, he, became, he became, you know, much more in our periphery after, after that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he did that, and then uh, There Will Be Blood shortly after that, and... Um, you know, tons of great work, but, um, I was like, that's an actor I could see myself being like, you know, sure. I didn't, you know, I'm not like a Zac Efron or anything like that, but Paul Dano, I'm like, that's, that's attainable, you know, like that's, I see myself in someone like that. And, um, and so I guess, but yeah, his performance in that movie, because he's, he doesn't talk for most of the movie. And then he has that big, where he finds out he like can't fly planes because yeah, he's colorblind. He's colorblind, yeah. Yeah, and he just, like, loses it. And I just remember being just so Im- impressed by that. And um, and I don't know. Uh, uh, obviously, there was tons. I just loved movies. I, I don't think there was one moment that I can really pinpoint. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I have, like, written in my questions, like, uh, maybe, like, first uh, first performance that you saw that made you, like, kind of, like, moved to be like, wow. Like, that's – and that sounds like that it was, uh, it was in Little Miss Sunshine. Man, yeah. I, need re- I need to revisit that movie. It's been it's been some years. Yeah, I actually haven't seen it in a long time either. Because sometimes I'm afraid if I go back, that uh, it won't mean the same thing that it did to me back then. You know, and I'd rather just keep my memory of it. I don't Special. know. If, do you have this where, like, movies that you or if people someone brings up a movie you remember, like, like I can never remember what happens in movies, even movies I love. So yeah. I'll be like, you remember that scene where they said, you know, they crashed the car into the window? And I'm like, mm, oh, yeah, kind of. But I just, I remember more like how a movie made me feel and like, and whether or not I want to revisit it, that feeling, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you, <clears throat> was the, was movies like pretty popular in the household? Like were, were your parents, um, like, did they have favorite movies that they like showed you as a kid or anything like that? Or are they just kind of like, you know, uh, your, your average movie fan where they just see things as they come out and yeah, they were pretty run in the mill. They weren't like diving into the criterion collection or anything, <laughs> uh, you know, like showing me Herzog movies when I was five right. or anything like that. But, yeah. um, but no, they just a general, uh, just enthusiasm for, for movies. And every Friday night we'd go to Blockbuster and order pizza okay. and that'd be like our movie, you know, that would be the start of our weekends when I was a kid. And yeah, uh, that was remember, like really special. Do you remember what you gravitated towards at the Blockbuster? Like if it was, if you had like a certain genre you liked, like were you into like action movies or did you like comedies or do you remember? I just remember I would get fixated with certain uh, VHS boxes, and it was usually mm. something that I wasn't allowed to watch yet. Like Hellraiser it always sticks out in my brain because um, the you know the, like, the white face with like all the needles sticking yeah, on yeah, his yeah. guys. I remember being so um, I don't know so taken by that when I was just perusing. But and I would ask him like, "Oh, can we watch this?" And then you're like, ah, "I don't think you'll like that yet." Yeah. Um, my, a buddy of mine and I went to, uh, we, we went to like a, a screening last night 
and uh, we we're and we we're in line at the concession stand, and we were talking about uh, just movies we'd watched recently, mm-hmm. and we it's a similar thing. We we talked about how. There's a movie uh, that both of us had never seen. We still haven't seen. It's like an early Wes Craven movie called Shocker, where it's like a guy in an electric chair. And it just like looks like it's like a ridiculous cover. But both of us have a memory of always seeing that at the blockbuster because it's like a. Oh, that's funny. I I bet I'd recognize it if I saw it. Yeah. It's just one. It's like it's such a ridiculous cover. And always like the. I feel like the horror movie section in general is like what is embedded in your head, like how you just brought up the Hellraiser cover, you know, mm-hmm. there's yeah, always yeah. those things that stand out to you. Like I remember like the puppet master movies always stood out to me, but I didn't see them until I was like much older. Um, yeah. Just because as a kid, it's like, you know, scary toys and it's obviously that's going to freak you out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember what else. I was really like, especially when I was a teenager, it was all the, the movies that other kids would talk about as being like, like too fucked up to watch or like, can you get through it? Or, um, right. Or just movies that were really like, uh, depressing, like anything that was an extreme emotion. I would like gravitate. Like I, I remember seeking out elephant, the Gus Van Zandt movie. Oh, yeah. I was like, Oh, that's gonna be so like, you know, right. Dark. <laughs> um, yeah. and that movie mean Creek. I remember renting, I'd get like stack. I, lo- I miss the days of just getting like st- five dvds at once from blockbuster uh but yeah these days are i like the past. idea of getting a, a stack of five really bummer movies just to see if you oh can my god them. i loved it i couldn't get enough you're like i'm gonna watch elephant i'm gonna watch rec room for a dream i'm gonna watch yes <laughs> that was back- a, that's a great example of another movie i like sought out because i knew it was like super fucked up that's uh th- that was a one and done for me i saw it the one time and i was like i I'm good on that one. I don't same, think I need to see that one here. again. Yeah. Same here. It does make you feel like sick. Oh, like genuinely sick. It's a, it's a, that's a bad time right there. Uh, yeah. Or like dancer in the dark, like those sorts of films where you're like, okay, oh, I haven't seen dancer in the dark. Yeah. It's a, it's a one and done for sure. Um, but so when, um, when did the idea of like performing start to become interesting? Did you do like school plays or were you, what did you like take theater classes in, in a school at all? Okay, so yes, I I love doing theater, and especially in middle school, we had this speech and theater. We had these speech and theater competitions, and a really great theater director, um, Mrs. Fenton, and uh, that was just really kind of where I fell in love with performing and doing plays. And um, but at these competitions, there were all these different categories. You could do a lip sync, you could do a, a, a TV commercial, which is like a two minute made up commercial for a made up product, and um, there was readers theater, which was like five people, but you would like read from a, a book like prose style, but it was sort of acted out at the same time. And, um, and we like swept the competitions. Our, our middle school was like King and we, we did really well. We just, um, it was just a good group of people. And we all loved it. We were, um, yeah, it was, it was just a, a really, really n- pure time for like my love of acting and, and how that sort of bloomed there. But, oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I was, I remember I was, uh, I could, for whatever reason, when I was younger, I could walk on my hands and, um, <laughs> and, and do like a, a back handspring or whatever. And so in sixth grade, I realized that they were doing, and this was before I gotten into theater, I realized they were doing Sleeping Beauty and they needed a court jester, um, someone who could like be somewhat acrobatic. 
And uh, and so I literally just went into the theater director's office and said, hey, I want to be in the play. I didn't, like, audition or anything. I just told her I wanted to be in it. And she's like, okay, well, come today after school, you know, and uh, we'll work you into rehearsals. Yeah. And so that's kind of how that started. And then, and then I was in pretty much every play after that, just really fell in love with it. Did you have an easy time? This is like... Uh, I think what I was mentioning to you yesterday, like interviewing people that are do different, um, you know, kinds of art forms. Like I often have like the most like bottom level, like just interested questions. So like a a thing that always comes to mind is like when you were first doing it, did you have uh, did you have an easy time like memorizing your lines? Like, was that something that came easy to you or is that something that took a lot of practice? Um, well, that's, uh, I think it came relatively easy to me, I I guess just because I wanted to do it. I think if you, if you're excited about learning something, it's a lot easier to learn it. That's true. Um, and that stands for even now where if, you know, if I'm trying to learn lines and the writing is bad, then it's not fun to learn and it's difficult to remember. But if the writing's really good, it's it's a dream and it's like taking a ride, you know, and you just sort of let it take you where it's going to go. But that's pretty rare, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Um, So was the so the first play you did was uh, was was that where you did the you did the court jester thing? Yeah. Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Yeah, Sleeping Beauty. And was uh, do you remember what it was like getting up on stage like in front of an audience the first time? Yeah, I mean it's it's thrilling, you know, it's really cool. Um I like just the whole I like the mechanics of everything backstage. I like the idea of um just having worked so hard and created something and there's all these people out there that have no idea what they're about to see, but mm. you do. You know, there's like some weird like power you have with that. Um and that's pretty much exclusive to theater, but it's such a such a great great feeling. Um, oh, yeah. And I've not, I want to go back and do more theater. I've really only, only done one play professionally. Um, oh, what was that? I did Dead Poets Society in uh, 2016. Oh, wow. Was that I, out here? Was that like in New that York? That was in was New York. It was off-Broadway in New York with uh, Jason Sudeikis playing the Robin Williams part. Oh, wow. That's Which oh. was a, a really, <laughs> quite a challenge actually, because the theater directors out there, they are hardcore. You know, they don't mess around. They don't put up with your actory Hollywood bullshit. You know, if anything, it's a great way to learn discipline as an actor because it's it's not like you know being on a movie here where you show up at, and learn your lines in the makeup trailer. You know, right? <laughs> you you really have to be on top of it. It's a real like endurance test, and especially the, the schedule of it. You know, you wake up every day and you're like, oh, well, I can't do anything today because I can't wear myself out. I have to get on stage at 7 p.m. Right. You know, and uh, so it's a really very specific lifestyle. Whereas how, acting uh, in movies, you know, you can sort of fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. Yeah, how long, how long did that run? Like how many weeks was that? Or was it just a couple performances? How long um, did it go? That was just three months, which was honestly perfect. Because most Broadway runs are six months. I mean, this was off-Broadway, and, and because of Sudeikis' schedule, they had to keep it short. But um, So for three months, like, what, do you mean, like, is that including rehearsals and stuff, or is that, like, three months of performances? Um, well, now I can't remember. Uh, well, it was a month of rehearsals, and I think then maybe two months of, of uh, performance. performance. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, what, but uh, it was. What it was character great. did you play? Who did you play? I played Neil. Neil Perry. Uh, Neil Perry. Yeah. So, which, yeah, it was a, that it was a great part. You know, I was I was thrilled and just so much fun to get up there, and especially like to be in New York in a theater and like the, just there's nothing like it. You know, it's such a romantic feeling doing theater in New York. And, Oh, that's so cool, yeah. man! I wish I could have caught that. That's uh, that's that's like a a childhood favorite movie for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's a there's also a great maybe it's best you didn't see it then. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! There's also a great screamo band called Neil Perry that uh, that oh is, really? That is, yeah, that is the most like you know, know tongue in cheek. Uh, it's like perfect from that movie. Like this really like <laughs> intense emotional movie. Um, uh, so. You know, uh, one of the fun things it's you know to add, to add, well, actually, you mentioned early on that you had an agent. How did that come your way? Like, um, was that because you started booking commercials, and that was like, well, now I need you know a little more professional input here to help me get more commercials? Was that kind of the drive? I don't know how the agent thing happened in Dallas because I was fourteen, and my mom yeah. just sent in some pictures, and then they said, okay, well, we'll meet with him, um, and then I had to prepare a monologue, and I did some like random monologue that my theater teacher gave me that was like this orphan kid from the 1920s in Brooklyn. And I had like a Brooklyn accent. And, um, and so I did that for <laughs> this woman, Jennifer Petrius is my first agent. And, um, and she's like, okay, that was, that was good. Let me, I'm going to get you something else that doesn't have an accent. And then, so she brought back some like, had me like read like a, a commercial copy for like a, a serial, you know, like voiceover and okay and then she signed me like after that and so then i started working in commercials that she she got me the auditions for the commercials and then and then she became my agent in los angeles for quite a while too oh wow okay that was just sort of a random it's, it's kind of a convoluted story but it all happened through the acting classes that were happening in dallas they'd bring in casting directors or la agents and then they would sort of scoop kids up and say, hey, you're ready for the big time. <laughs> yeah. And then either you'd get send auditions or they'd say you should come out for a few months and try auditioning or whatever. And um, and so she sort of basically got promoted to a job in Los Angeles around the time that I was getting ready to go out there. So it, it really worked out perfectly. I kind of got very lucky with all the way the stars aligned. Yeah, it sounds very serendipitous to where both yeah. of your careers led you out to to California. Um, mm-hmm. When you ended up coming out here with uh, with Logan, were you where did you end up landing? Were you in Pasadena or where were you? No, we were in Burbank, baby. Oh, yeah, that's my hometown right there. Yeah, I, I mean the Valley. I think anyone that moves to LA should start in the Valley. I think Absolutely. you have to do at least a year in the Valley. But I I do think the Valley does get a, a bad rap because um, it's there's something so like um just something quaint kind of, about it and yeah and, and there's something kind of seedy about it i mean like like pt anderson is obviously obsessed with the valley it's like all his movies for the oh, most yeah. part oh i just saw licorice pizza on sunday you got to see it oh I'm yeah so fucking jealous he I'm, was there he did a q a and he was talking about well he and alana heimer they're both from the valley yeah and i guess like her mom taught him art when he was like eight years old oh and whoa. so there's like this weird valley connection between them I was wondering he what... He would, like, die for the Valley. He's, like, very serious yeah, I about want, it. I had wondered why... I mean, I, it doesn't have to have, like, a big reason, but I was wondering what 
his connection with Haim was, uh, whether it was just he's just like a fan of the band and like likes them as people or if they went deeper. So that's interesting to know that it, it, they've known each other family wise for yeah. that long. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't fully know. I'm yeah. sure there's other connections, but yeah, but it is weird. Like, you know, they, yeah, his mom taught Paul Thomas Anderson art. Dude. I will always, I will kick myself for the rest of my life for this. But, uh, when the same, you remember the same year that no country and there will be blood came out, it was mm-hmm. like, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, a, a, a buddy of mine at the time got me like, let me be his guest to go to, uh, uh, an early screening of no country that had a Q and a after with the Coens, uh, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, Kelly McDonald and, Tommy, uh, oh, Tommy wow. Lee Jones. I was just like, my brain was melting. Yeah. The, you know, the Coens are like my all time favorite. And then it was a few, it wasn't that much long later that he was like, Hey, I have another, uh, screening that if you want to come with me to, and I was, I forget what it was. I was like going to another, sh- I was going to a show that night or something. I was like, ah, I can't <laughs> make it. I didn't realize what it was, but it was for there will be blood. Oh. And after was a Q and a with PT Anderson, Daniel Day Lewis, and it was hosted by Judd Apatow. I was like, when I found out what it was, I was so mad at myself and I'm going to kick myself for the rest of my life for not going to that. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm such an idiot. That well, I hope the been... show was great. Whatever show I, you went but The to. worst part is I'm sure it was like a local show. I'm sure it was like, just like a buds <laughs> that I've seen a hundred times. Yeah. I'm just going to kick myself forever for that one. Um, but did you see it at, uh, in the, what was it? They're playing in like Westwood or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went over there. Yeah. Um, I, Oh, it seems like they've had that, they had that theater rented out for like a month with just these, uh, like, you know, kind of like seemingly like industry screenings. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever actually seen a movie over there, but it's a really cool theater. But yeah, the movie is hilarious. I couldn't believe how funny it was. That's all I'm going to say about <sighs> yeah, it. Yeah. yeah I, I can't really, wait. really enjoyed it. It was a blast. Yeah. It seems like him doing, you know, like I, I love, I love when anyone does like a good coming of age sort of. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, but I can't wait. Um, and uh, yeah, so you ended up landing in the in Burbank, which is obviously like that's like you know, quote unquote, media city capital of the world. So you, well, you yeah, it's like that's right like the, the real like Hollywood. When you think of Hollywood, you're really thinking of like Burbank and Studio City. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where all the that's where Warner Brothers is, and sort of Universal's off towards Studio City, and then, um, but you know, we we lived in this like the Avalon Apartments. I think they're still called the Avalon, yeah, but it's over there off of San Fernando and, uh, yeah, yeah, off of Barham. And, uh, yeah, it was just so, there was something so magical about driving, you know, 20 minutes and then you're like on the lot and you're like walking around and all the sound stages. And that was always my favorite thing. Like the first few years living here, it, that, that didn't get old for a very long time. Oh, I love that. Uh, that's, that's, that's special. I love that that gave you that feeling every single time you, you walked on the lot. That's a, yeah, I can imagine that's a special feeling. Um, I saw, so like, you know, IMDB is always uh, a hit or miss on whether it actually correctly puts things in the right order and things like that. But um, was, it says in the first year that the first two things you have uh, on there are an episode of like the middle and an episode of iCarly. Were those mm-hmm. the first two TV shows that you booked? Yeah. So actually, I skipped this part before I came out to LA with Logan's family the summer before I came out just for a few months with my mom and we stayed at the Oakwood apartments. Okay. And I don't know if you know about the storied history of the Oakwood, but it's basically famous for, um, being like this, this hub of, of young child actors where they go with their parents it's and they go Corey for the summer and like, didn't do so well. Right. Is that that? Yes, that yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but it was like kind of a toxic atmosphere and really right. weird and like very competitive and people would always go out there for, for pilot season or just the summer or whatever. We were out there for the summer and we kind of kept to ourselves. I just sort of kept my head down and went to my auditions and did my thing. But, um, I didn't book anything all summer. And then all of a sudden I, I, you know, I get on the plane, come back home. And then like the day that I land, like after I land, we get home and I get a call from my agent and they're like, Hey, so you booked the iCarly job. You got to come back next week and do it. And I was like so excited, but my mom was like, of course, right when we come back. <laughs> um, it seems so, to work that way. Yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's always how it works. But, um, but I was, you know, over the moon and I remember I had nine lines on an episode of iCarly. Yeah. And that was like my first real TV gig. And I was 16. Yeah. Was, uh, do you remember much about that first audition process for that? Well, I mean, obviously you'd done auditions before. You'd done them for the commercials and things like that. Was there, did you feel much difference between the audition for commercials versus an audition for this TV show? Yeah, I think it just felt like more opportunity to, to mess up. You know, now I was like, now I'm like having more lines to remember. And, you know, I think, and, and just the, the scale of it, you know, it's like, oh, I'm auditioning for a big Nickelodeon show. That, you know, I think that played a, a part in my brain of, you know, like, okay, this is serious. This is the big time. Right. Uh, even though it was iCarly, but, you know, yeah, to me yeah. it was like, it Absolutely. was like a huge, huge deal. Um, was it, what, do you remember what kind of role, were you like a love interest for that episode? Were you a, do you remember no, much about okay, it? Okay, so I was a, uh, my name was Jeffrey Flonkin, and I was, my dad was a, like a crooked car dealer or something, or, <laughs> I, I ended up being some like scammer, but I'm like really, I was like a totally nice kid, but um, I basically scammed them out of a, sort of some, some car deal, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really remember <laughs> Um, and then, so with that same year, there's the episode of the middle. Did that, so how did that work out in the same year? Did you go back to Dallas and come back out? The following summer when I went out with Logan, then, um, then I guess that was like September or something. Cause I, I got there like August 1st is when I moved August 1st, 2009. So I moved to Los Angeles and then like sometime in September, I think I got the middle. Okay. Um, Yeah. And, uh. So with those with those two first TV show experiences, like uh, for iCarly, for example, I, I admittedly I I never seen the show. Really, was it is it like a sitcom based sort of show, or is it filmed on different locations and stuff like that? No, it was a sitcom based show. So they had basically it was a four camera setup, and like for whatever reason, Nickelodeon didn't have a live audience, but the Disney shows did. I'm not sure what happened there, mm. but. Um, but it was still like laugh track, you know, and like you're all sort of cheating out towards the cameras. And uh, yeah, I think I was just sort of over, overwhelmed and, and and just sort of like wanting to do a good job. And uh, but really just like kind of observing everything, you know, I was just sort of really quiet and just sort of wanting to see how everything worked. And yeah, it's just such a fascinating machine. I, I'm, I'm still in awe of it, even being on any size movie. It's just, like, amazing how it all comes together. Right. Yeah, the the magic of it all, I, it, I'm glad that that, like, is still sitting with you. You know, like, how all the all the little jobs that make everything work. It sounds like something you appreciated early on when you were doing the uh, Sleeping Beauty to even now. You know, like, the mechanics well, don't of Don't get everything. me wrong. I've been perfectly jaded as well throughout this time, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> 
But I still do try to retain that the magic of it and like how how lucky I am to get to to make movies and 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 be in this world. It's uh, it really is still a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, after that, the uh, it's the first movie that it's that again is listed is uh, it's kind of a funny story. Um, and it, I didn't real. It's funny looking at. At your IMDb, how many times you and Kier have en- ended up uh, being in, in things together? Um, yeah, it's funny it, how that works, actually. It's like once you work with someone and and then you, you run into those people a lot, or like a few people, and especially if you like become friends or whatever, you uh, you end up running to them into them again or working with them again. Right, yeah. So That's happened with a few people, but yeah. So was that the first film that you booked? Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, and how was that for you? Like, do you remember much of that experience? Like, like, holy shit, now I'm in a, like, I'm in a film, like, as opposed to, you know, commercial TV. It's like, you've now made it to the next step, you know? Yeah. Well, it was exactly the kind of thing that I wanted to be in. It was like, you know, it was a, a focus features movie back when they were like making so many, so many great movies, uh, that were getting a lot of, uh, great reception, you know, awards wise and whatever. But, um, but also the cast was so cool. Obviously, it's where I met Kier, and then um, Zach Galifianakis was in it. Um, Emma Roberts, Zoe Kravitz was playing my right. girlfriend in the movie, which was so insane because she was like, <laughs> I mean, she was a couple of years older than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously just so cool and grew up in this, like, you know, hip Williamsburg life. And yeah. um, I just, like, just moved out of Dallas, and I'm, like, this dorky little kid. Yeah. And she has to, like, make out with me. <laughs> um, it was like, but I was, you know, so excited about it all. And, oh, um, yeah. my first like real time, like being in New York and getting to kind of, uh, be an, an not an adult, but yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. a person that got to have fun in New York. Yeah. yeah. Were you on, were you kind of, were you still with your phone? Fo- was like, uh, did you have a parent with you on that out for that? Or was that like on yeah, your own? You're in yeah. New my, York. my parents would like take turns coming out and staying with me. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 I was eight at the time so yeah sure no, wait no oh wait, yes i was i was 18 um yeah. but yeah but they were still out there with me just because i mean i was still felt very young even of course 18 i felt like i was and looked like i was 16 so right um, yeah 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 it was great that's lovely the uh i just watched i watched it last night because i had never seen it before and it was actually because it came up in conversation by chance I had never seen Project X, and I watched it last night. I hadn't seen you it before. You watched it last night? I watched it last night because <laughs> I was like, I was like, so the tour we just did, that I was telling you about the self-defense family who was on it, mm-hmm. and just happened in conversation that the singer of, of that band brought it up, saying like, <laughs> saying like you know, this movie, uh, I, he, he sang some, some along the lines of like, feels like it should have got it should have it should be in the same conversation as like super bad and stuff like that for the sake of like just you know uh gnarly teen movie you know like yeah like gnarly stuff that happens in a teen movie kind of a thing and i was like oh i'd never seen that before and i looked it up and i was like oh shit uh my boy thomas is in that so then once <laughs> once this conversation started to go i was like i should probably watch that <laughs> um and uh i can all i mean first off obviously you're ex- you look like a young person in that movie or, you know, that's like, <laughs> yeah. your, it's your first, it's like, it's like the first, you know, mm. kind of like starring role. You're, you know, you're a lead in that. Um, yeah. I mean, that movie came like, uh, three months or so after funny story ended. 
Um, wow. So that was like pretty, yeah. But it was a long, long process to get that movie. I think I read in like the trivia that, uh, is it true that you like auditioned like seven times or something for that? Is that true? Yeah, something like that. Wow. At least six times. Yeah. Which I, I think to this day, I have not auditioned that many times for anything. Sure. And, and it's, I mean, like, good on you for keeping up with it. Cause you oh, also, they up- told me at two different points that I wasn't getting the part. And then oh. I could forget about it. Oh, and then wow. they call me again and be like, they want you to come back in one more time. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so heartbroken at that point. I was like, whatever happens, happens. And then, yeah. And then I saw- the last time they brought us into um, Joel Silver's office. Oh, wow. Is like this, you know, Notorious, like heavy hitter, you know. Um, and he basically told us we got the parts, and I was like, Wow, this is like the real deal. He's like in Frank Sinatra's old office. Uh, it was was a wild experience. Um, yeah, but yeah, it did feel like that was the first time it felt like, Wow, like this is a big deal, like this is a real big movie. And um, yeah, you're dealing with with Todd Phillips, you're dealing with uh, Joel Silver, like that's and it's uh, that's like that's gotta be one of the first. Netflix movies, right? No, it wasn't a Netflix movie. Oh, was it? Oh, no. For some reason, I think, is it? It's I on it's, Netflix now. It's on Netflix now, but for some right reason, now. maybe I thought that there was like a connection there or something like that. Like maybe no, Netflix no. has the rights or something like that to it now. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like uh, just even watching that and then like, you know, I was like reading stuff about it while, while I was watching it too. Just being like, this had to have been such an insane set to have been on just the way it seemed to have come together where uh, it's interesting to like gave, you know, a bunch of people different ways to record it and the way it was edited or whatever. It just, it felt like a high octane, uh, intense, uh, film to have been a part of. It, it was, um, it probably looks more that way than it actually was. Was, okay. Um, but I mean, if you asked, like, it depends who you ask sure. on that movie, you know, cause I was this like really nervous, just like eager, like wanting to do a good job, like young kid. Yeah. And then, but then there were, a, a, a ton, like 300 extras or sorry, background artists. Sure. Um, <laughs> you have to be careful. Sure. You have to respect the background artists. Yes. Um, but yeah, if you ask any of them, you know, they're like fucking high and drunk the whole time, you know, and like I, I was offered a different drugs on that movie and I was like, no, yeah. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to lose my job here. And a lot of them did get ki- like kicked out or they like sneak off and like go make out by the friend's fountain or hook up or do whatever. And um, so <laughs> and then they keep coming back. It's like this weird like. They all became like friends. They were they were giving out um, flyers, um, like in between takes and stuff. And they are having their own parties on the weekend, basically just like recruiting party girls from all the extras and making yeah. their own parties, their real parties on the weekends oh when we were shooting. Um, it was this whole crazy, crazy thing for everyone involved. Um, yeah, but it's interesting, uh, like because there's a lot of people that haven't seen the movie and it's not really it's never really entered their like frame of reference or whatever yeah. uh which is understandable but then for other people it's like that movie like it defines like their youth or uh it's it's crazy the life that this movie has had um you know where some people have never even thought about it and i but it's still the only movie that to this day that I, people ask me about like every single day 
someone DMs me and asks when Project X2 is coming. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and it's not. It's never coming. Okay. Yeah, sure. so let me just say that. Yeah. On the record right on here. The record, it's yeah. never happening. There's never <laughs> never going to be a Project X2. At least not with me. If anything, they should just... You Do know, it with a new crew of kids. New young crew kids. Or, yeah, or yeah, like yeah. make it a, a group of girlfriends or something or just change sure. it up. But like that movie is such a product of its moment in time. Of its time, for sure. Yeah. You no, know, 100%. it was like the, the height of Skrillex and whatever else going on. You know, like that sort of frat the soundtrack. culture, like sort yeah. of end of the, the Apatow comedy era, you know, and this is like the end all be all, like just smash it all to the ground kind of thing but uh yeah yeah it's it's just it speaks to a very specific moment in time and i don't think it needs to be revisited <laughs> sure yeah. in that way yeah, you know? yeah, it, yeah. No, i, I, I do like... think it's singular and it stands on its own yeah it feels like a movie of the era no doubt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no doubt um but yeah i was just taken back by by like man for this being your first like you know starring 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 role you know like what a what an intense process that movie had to have been to, to make like yeah i mean it was intense because we, we that was five weeks of night shoots shit like that yeah so basically living like a vampire showing up to work at 4 p.m you know getting ready and then once it gets dark you start rolling yeah and go until the, literally until the sun comes up Right. The producer will always say, sky's turning purple, sky's turning purple. And that's how you know, like, we had, like, a couple shots left, and then we were done. Oh, man. But, um, it was, yeah, it was such an exciting and fun, fun moment in my life. Oh, I bet, I bet. Uh, and then, so, then you did, like, uh, not too long after the Stanford Prison Experiment movie, which is, I think, mm-hmm. the first time that I remember uh, you, like recognizing you as as an actor because I, I i watched that movie and then i revisited it again and it's just so fascinating to me like the cast of that movie how it true i feel like that movie in particular captured like so many young actors that at a beginning of a lot of their careers that have all mm-hmm. become so in 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 our view now yeah. you know what i'm yeah, saying like yeah, yeah you had like ty sheridan at ezra, ezra miller logan uh nicholas Braun, like so many people mm-hmm. here obviously that like mm-hmm. we're all so familiar with now and i'm curious that maybe for you like when you were making that movie did um did you have any takeaways of like no like thinking that this was like maybe a a, a more special movie for capturing a lot of these different actors in this time yes i mean uh, i did that movie like right on the heels of uh, I, uh, this other movie, Mean Earl and the Dying Girl, and and that was more my movie. And then I was just, and then so Stanford felt like a lot less work, and it just felt like I was jumping into like a great um, sort of like ensemble conservatory, oh, yeah, yeah, like of great young actors, um, and like no one wanted to be the weakest link, you know, like everyone was like kind of on top of their game and wanting to do a great job because. You know, no one wants to be like, oh, what's what's wrong with that dude today? And it was a blast for all of us. Everyone's like, oh, my God, was it so intense making that movie? We're like, <laughs> not in the slightest. Yeah. It was hard to keep a straight face most of the time. Um, during some of the most fucked up scenes in that movie, we're like laughing our asses off, which <laughs> maybe not the best thing to say. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was not an intense shoot at all it was just a it was a great time yeah well i mean you're yeah you're with a bunch of contemporaries and i'm sure you guys are all becoming friends on set and things like that so it's Mm -hmm. like yeah i'm sure inside jokes are being made and and all that sort of stuff while you're 
making this I only thing. worked like six days total on that movie, though. You know, oh, it was really? a big, big ensemble. So Yeah, sure. Um, it's and uh I was curious with uh with Kong Island, was that was that sort of I've just kind of like taken a guess, is that was that like the first like blockbuster, like big at like big, big production movie that you had done? Uh n- no. I, I mean well, I guess if you you could consider Project X a blockbuster because it it did really it made like a hundred million at the oh box sure office. sure I, but I, I, think I know my, what you're talking about you're talking about like a big budget like a, action like a, movie yeah. big, yeah exactly that's I think that's uh, yes. well I did too <laughs> which I hate to point anyone towards this or my performance in this movie but yeah. I did a movie called Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters oh right um, right right with Jeremy Renner and Gemma Arterton yeah uh, and. Uh, <laughs> it's a doozy if you ever yeah if that's kind of your kind of thing um it's 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 pretty wild but it's a lot of fun and that was like the first big movie i was like 19 and i went to berlin for two months and oh shit was like severely depressed in berlin because oh, i no. didn't know anyone i was the youngest person in the cast by at least six years or oh, whatever sure. and just uh didn't really know like I didn't really know yet how to navigate that, like, being on location lifestyle where you're just sort of on your own. You have to, like, make your own fun. Yeah. Um, so it was a weird, weird experience. But um, but also, like, a very valuable one, too. Of but, course. But to uh, bring it back to, to Kong, I've, I've never had an experience like Kong Skull Island. That yeah. is basically, like, any any child's, like, dream version of being in a Hollywood movie. It's just like the set pieces were huge. The locations were amazing. The cast was like so vast and impressive. And, um, I just felt lucky to be there every single day. And it was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life. We were in Australia for two months. Then I was curious where it shot. Yeah. Australia for, for two months. Then we like had like a Christmas break. And then, uh, when, uh, we were in Australia for six weeks and then Vietnam for five weeks. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so much travel. And, like, yeah, wow, very different locations, too. Yeah, and I never wanted it to end. It was six months of work, and I, I was, like, so depressed when it was over. Oh, yeah, I mean, just looking at, I mean, even just looking at that cast, like, it's kind of a, another, like, sort of silly question on my part. But um, going on to be in that movie, obviously, you'd already worked with a lot of, you know, very famous you know known actors but you look at that lineup it's like you get john goodman you get samuel l jackson you get uh got brie larson john c Riley, like all these mm-hmm. fucking very no- known people like did you do you do you ever still find yourself being kind of starstruck by that by that sort of thing yes um yeah it's funny like you know i I became pretty close with um, John C. Riley. He was just I, I, as soon as I met him, I was like, I I love this guy. You know, when uh-huh. you like meet some someone that you uh, you have a previous knowledge of them, or like you're a fan of them, or whatever, and then you meet them and they're sort of disappointing, or you're like, ah, I kind of wish I just didn't know you for real. Yeah, this is the opposite. Where I was like, I like this person even more after I met them. Ah, uh-huh. um, and so I, I just spent so much time like hanging out with him um and he was he's like a very young person at heart and he wanted to like hang out and do stuff on the weekends when we weren't working and um which is not necessarily the case with like the john goodmans or the samuel l jacksons they're also quite a bit older but um uh but i remember there's this one night uh we were all like at some it's like the start party for the movie 
And I was sitting at a table next to, I think, John Riley. And then Samuel L. Jackson sits like across, like next to him, across from me, but next to John. And then John Goodman sits at the other end of the table. And I remember just like, <laughs> I just like, like caught my breath. And then I just got up from the table and left. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I didn't know what else. I was like, what am I going to say? You're right. Like right. I didn't want to know what was going to come out of my mouth next, so I had to just leave. Excuse the yourself from the situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so yeah. funny. That's so funny. Uh, it's charming though. Um, but they are both. I mean, I did end up talking to both of them at different points, and they're you know both really great, great dudes. Yeah. Um, I love that. I yeah. love that. Um, so uh, I have uh, two shows that I, I want to briefly uh, touch on because then you, when you went back and you did some TV and then uh, you were in an episode of Fargo, which is like one of my all time mm-hmm. favorite shows. I'm such a Cohen fanatic. And, and I felt like they did such a wonderful job with each season of that show. Yeah. Uh, so you were in the third season, right? The one with like Ewan McGregor. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I was in w- just one episode, but it was a really cool part because it, it was the whole, mo- or like half the episode was a flashback to the 70s. Right. Um, and and that was a th- something that just sort of came as an offer. I didn't have to audition for it or anything. Um, and so anytime that happens, I'm like, yes, like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Easy, um, yeah. And, and I, lo- I was a fan of the show. I thought the show was brilliant and there's so many great actors that come through that show. And, uh, I was like, yeah, I'd love, love to be a part of this. And, uh, and it was great. I got to go to Calgary for a little while and then, well, we shot some in Calgary, some in LA, uh, like in the dead of winter, it was like February in Calgary. And it was cold. The coldest I've ever been. I couldn't (laughs) believe like, why would you shoot a movie? Like, why would you shoot a TV TV show show, here during this time? Right. They seemed insane to me. Um, but it, it was it was a blast. Oh, I love that. And then yeah, then you did a you did an episode of uh, of Drunk History, and I'm curious for for doing that show, which is such a fun you know it's obviously a fun show to watch. Um, I, I'm curious about how they actually end up lining up the the you know what you're saying with with the drunk person's uh, storytelling in that. They so play like, it. They play it over like a speaker. Right, so just, they are not recording audio for you. They're they they are just playing the audio and you're lip syncing along to it, and, and they're just filming it. I was curious um, if you got your if you got the recording early and you sort of like guide used to yeah. it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if it was like a, okay, now you're going to say you know here's your lines and then you listen to it on the spot and have to kind of figure it out. Yeah, they sent me the audio of the of the interview that they do, and so um, and then they sort of script it out. Like basically they'll take chunks of, of the interview that they do and they, they'll put it with different scenes. And so, you know, like which parts are yours and which parts you're going to be saying and stuff like that. Um, and it was kind of hard actually. It seems <laughs> it, like it, it would be a tough, little more yeah. difficult than I was thinking. Um, <laughs> especially it depends like how fast, like your, your, uh, interviewer is talking, yeah. you know? Um, so I guess it can, it just, it depends. But, uh, it was it was a good challenge and something I'd never really tried before. I don't know when I'll ever try that again. But sure, uh, yeah. it was really it was thing. cool and it's like it's an institution, you know. Drunk history is like it's a great thing. Um, 
so I was I was really happy that they asked me to do that. Yeah, that show's just so fun. Was uh was anyone uh, else in your episode that you were familiar with or anything like that? I'll have to go back and try to find that episode. No, I mean it was pretty much just me and then like the regular cast members that are usually the sort of their ensemble that are always in. Right, 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 right. So uh, I remember going to go see uh, them that follow uh, the weekend it opened. Um, I think it went with Kier and, and a few other friends to catch it. Uh, and uh, was just so taken back by that movie. Um, and as a person who is petrified, petrified of snakes, petrified. <laughs> I am completely <laughs> petrified of snakes. I was stressed out the entire film uh, for that, for that. But uh, I was curious, did you have, and this is such a dumb question, but like, <laughs> did you have any fear of snakes while making that movie or did you, were you fine with them? I mean, I'm not like, I'm not like, I don't love snakes. You don't love snakes. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't, I don't have a phobia of them though. Um, and the snakes we used in that movie weren't that, like the ones that we actually handled weren't venomous. Uh, oh, I would, yeah, I would hope so. So. <laughs> so I wasn't actually that afraid, but here's the interesting thing about snakes. And the reason, um, and I read this, the reason people are, most people are so afraid of snakes is because your brain can't compute how the, they're, how they're moving the way they are. With you know, they're not walking on feet or anything, um, but their movements are hard to discern. Like you can't really tell which way they're going to go next. Right. There's no like, uh, there's no indicator like in the way that they move. And so I think to our brains, it just doesn't like compute for some people. And oh, that's interesting. It freaks them out just the not knowing of how it works. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Because um, I know, like on like. Uh, like a functional level, like that, the, oh, their scales are moving, and you know, they sort of, yeah, I sort of get it, but only yeah. like in an abstract way, you know? Right. I think it's also the way they feel, not into that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also have a terrible, traumatized uh, memory of when I was a young kid uh, going to uh, visit my mom's hometown in uh, a very rural, or just small town in, in Nebraska. And uh, the neighborhood kids had found a garter snake and they were, it's terrible. They were like hitting it against the side of a curb oh, and it no. was the most fucked up thing. And I was just like, I am not in California right now. Like this is what these kids are doing for fun. It was like really fucked up. And I think that all of those things are just in my head, you know, oh, <laughs> like yeah. that terrible memory yeah. plus the way they feel. Yes. Probably the way they, they move all of those sorts of things. So, so you have felt a snake though, then I felt a snake. Yeah. Point. Not, like, not too interested. Just yeah. not my thing. Not my thing. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that was, so, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've recommended that movie to, to so many people over the years. It's, it's such a, a amazing just story and, uh, and just so, so, so well acted. Um, and it's got some of my favorite actors. I mean, like Walton Goggins is so yeah. fucking awesome, and, and Olivia Coleman is unreal. You know, it's, like, it's a pretty incredible cast. I yeah, think. yeah, I still can't believe it. Um, yeah, that was uh, th- that was amazing. I mean, Olivia and Walton are just some of the best of the best, right? You know, and Olivia is one of those actresses where there's no pretension involved, or she's not like super serious all the time. She'll be like joking, she'll be like making fun of you for something, and then they'll be like rolling, and she'll be like, oh, 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 and then she'll start crying immediately. <laughs> oh my god. And like, <laughs> and then like they'll be cut, and they'll go back to like giving you shit about whatever, how, how poorly you make tea or something oh like my that. God. <laughs> uh, but she's like, she's so like, 
She's so funny, man. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean obviously, she, she started on the Peep Show and stuff like that. But Yeah, she's a comedian or, like, did a yeah. lot of comedy stuff at first and then just wowed everybody with just her range. I, you know, yeah. I, I wonder – It's it often seems that people that come from comedy are are ones with so much range because there's so much, you know, there's a lot of darkness, obviously, that comes with comedy as we, as we know. But, yeah. I think it's, it's the harder thing to be good at, you know. Mm. Um, mm, who's that got that quote is like uh it's like it's really easy to make you cry if i want to make you cry i'll just punch you in the face you know but if, if i want to make you laugh i actually have to say something funny you know oh uh, wow i can't remember whose quote that is it's a great quote though damn Isn't it like a, a bill murray or something like that someone like that oh yeah but anyway that sounds like something he would say for sure <laughs> um, uh and uh, I got, I got j- j- leading up to, uh, to Halloween here, but, uh, I, I really enjoyed, uh, Highwaymen as well. Um, and that was such a thrill because at that point, uh, I was, you know, I, I can surely call you an acquaintance an acquaintance at that point. Like I'd mm-hmm. known you, we'd, we'd, uh, been around each other. And so mm-hmm. seeing that getting to, when that movie premiered on, on Netflix, I was like super excited. Cause I was like, damn, I get to see Thomas and he's working alongside obviously like Kevin Costner and. Woody Harrelson, like that's fucking crazy. Um, and uh, I was uh, one of the questions I had about that, uh, leading back to the Netflix thing, which this actually was a Netflix film. Was yeah, uh, it was <laughs> was uh, is there is there like a different level of feeling of like stakes uh, with something being like a Netflix movie versus something else? Like, is there anything that feels sort of different about a Netflix set versus a uh, not Netflix set? No. No. no, I mean, no, I don't think the, I don't think the distributor really dictates how the set feels ever. Um, sure. Unless it's like a Blumhouse movie and you're in a honey wagon because they make those movies super cheap. Um, but uh, no, Highwaymen, I was just nervous because I was like having to jump into these scenes with, with Kevin and Woody and supposed to be like a fellow cop. I'm like, what? Uh, and I remember the first day I was shooting with them, I had to be in the back seat of this car. I had gone somewhere with them to the crime scene, and um, I'm in the car with them, and I get out of the car. And I feel like at that point, they didn't even really know who I was playing in the movie. They just thought like I was some like day player or extra. They were just going to put another guy in the car with you. And so <laughs> we like rehearse it and then I like say my lines and they're like, oh, oh, yeah. And like, I don't know if they're just like have been doing it so long that they just don't really know what's going on all the time. <laughs> but um, Woody, Woody is just was like a real dream to work with. And he's almost exactly like what you picture, just super like laid back and uh, easy to talk to and. And and Kevin is just like this like old school movie star, you know, and just got this like this sort of uh, self assured sort of charisma. He like struts around and uh, right, and so being around them together, they're very different people. But the, together, it was like a little bit overwhelming at first. But then then they got to know me, and it was it was fine. Yeah, but it was still like I, I had to like proving myself like I'm like a, I'm a real actor, you know, like, yeah, I was hired to work with you guys. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, but that was just like my initial sort of, uh, just like nerves, I think. 
Of course. Yeah, understandably. Yeah. Understandably. Um, so, yeah, the newest movie that is now out, uh, which, um, you know, obviously took took a while to finally come out, was uh, is uh, Halloween Kills. And I remember, mm-hmm. God, seeing the trailer for that seemingly like, I mean, it was announced so long ago, too. Um, to have yeah. it finally be out now it has to be, has to have been a, a big, like, ah, oh, yeah, finally, this thing is that we worked on years ago finally gets to hit the public eye. Yeah. I mean, the nicest surprise was actually that it got to uh, premiere at, at the Venice Film Festival. I've oh. never been in a movie that has premiered there or played there at all. And it's a very prestigious festival. And especially for a movie like that, you know, like a genre horror movie. I mean, granted, it's still David Gordon Green, who is an auteur, but um, it just it, it felt really special to have it premiere there and I, I didn't go or anything because i don't have a, a huge part in the movie but uh, it was just it was cool to see the announcement and then see my name i was like oh my god and after not working for like a whole year and sort of forgetting <laughs> what i'd even done in halloween and, then, right. and then seeing that it was like okay right right i've got this movie coming out okay <laughs> Cool. Yeah, you were saying yesterday. You I were felt like, like a I, part of the world again. You're like, I hope I'm good in this. I can't remember <laughs> like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, some. I mean, it's rare that you have to wait two years. You usually have to wait at least a year after you shoot something. But but two years, it's like you've you're a different person, you know? Right. And like I, you're like I. And I was saying to you, I was like, imagine if you if it's like if you wrote a song two years ago, but then like locked it up and you never got to look at it again, and then someone else like released it. Yeah, and you're like, like, oh, ah, shit. I hope it's good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't really remember what I did. Yeah, but, and you were yeah. saying, like, you hadn't seen the movie either. So you were no, like, no. Yeah. No, that- I didn't see it till the, till the premiere, which, which was fun because it's the, the right way to see it. It's with a big, loud audience. I was going to say, is that, would you prefer to see a movie before it comes out? Or do you, are you happy to see it kind of with an audience the first time? I think if I was like the lead of something, I had like a really big part then I'd probably want to see it beforehand just because it'd be too overwhelming to watch it with that many other people for the first yeah. time. Um, but with something like this, it was more, uh, I knew that I was, had like a supporting role and I'm like, it's, it's a fun movie. I, I more or less know what it's going to be. And uh, I, I just want to, I just want to wait and see it at like the perfect time with, with a big audience who's excited to watch it. You know, yeah, there's nothing yeah. like that. Uh so we had our last show of the tour was on the 30th and then first day home was, was Halloween. And we, because of COVID precautions, we couldn't go to any movies on tour. Like obviously like, you know, on days oh, off, we yeah, couldn't go to the yeah. theater or whatever. So like all these movies are coming out and I'm just like, all my friends are getting to see them. And I'm just like, fuck, I need to, I'm, I can't wait to get home. So you download so, a peacock. Right here, (laughs) but you know, I'm going to take a you know, anytime there's a like a a movie that's on HBO Max or in the theater, like I'm always going to go to the theater. Like I have to, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm sure you're the same way. So like, uh, I had planned. I was like, I we have to see the Halloween movie on Halloween, you know, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So earlier that day, we um, Ashley and I watched uh, the original from the '70s, and -hmm. then we went into the theater and saw this movie. And because I'd obviously seen the 2018 one and mm-hmm. it was so cool in your scenes in specifically how well the continuity was from the original to, to that where it's crazy, you, right? How much yeah. it looks like the 1978 version. And, but even the littlest things, like, I don't think that if I had just watched Halloween kills that I would have remembered anything about there being a dead dog in the room. 
you know, because right. there's a there's a right. line in in the original where he's like, oh, he must have gotten hungry, and like you never think of like Michael Myers eating, you know what I'm saying? But it was yeah. like the first movie, whatever. So it's like, so it's, so it's like a you see the dead dog, you're like, oh, what the fuck? But having just watched the original, I was like, oh shit, that they tied that together. That's great. And uh, yeah. the, the the crack in the window um, that happened, like because some uh, some gets thrown through the window in uh, in the original that they're looking out of. I was like, oh, this is so fucking cool that they, like they paid this close of attention to everything from the original to this one. So that was such a thrill to see, especially during specifically your scenes. Yeah. I mean, it, it was cool that it was like, um, yeah, I sort of got to be like my, my own little movie within the, the bigger movie of Halloween kills. Uh, if that, yeah, it was just, uh, it was a blast. I, I love I love period stuff. There's something about it that just makes your performance more specific. I think, and um, you know, yeah, it seems like you've you... done it a few times now with obviously Fargo. That that was yeah. that was the throwback Fargo, thing. Fargo, Stanford Prison, and yeah. uh, and now Halloween. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great era, and um, obviously, obviously, like the wardrobe is always really cool, and the music is generally great. Um, yeah, it's probably my favorite era to shoot. What's I don't know. A, <laughs> how how long was your shoot days actually? Um, I don't know. I think I had uh, that one. I, I only worked on for about a week. Okay, well, like, yeah. Well, maybe five days, but then sort of spread out over a couple weeks. Yeah. Do you yeah. know if it was like early in production for that, or if it was uh, something they did towards the end, or or any idea? I'm trying to think. Now I can't remember. It was like yeah, you know, sure. so long ago. But yeah, we shot in Wilmington and I know they were they were already shooting. Yeah. They were because I remember I I got to set or I got to Wilmington and they're like, David wants to like talk to you guys. Um uh, it was me and, and Jim Cummings, who was right. a great writer director who played my um my cop buddy in the movie. Uh and uh we we were both gotten into town the same day and we were gonna go visit David on set and see what they were shooting and they were shooting the um the the scene with the car in the in the park where Michael gets on top of the car and there's oh, all yeah. the and kills them all. Right. Um and I just that was the first time I'd seen anyone wearing the Michael Myers mask, you know, yeah. and that was just like, it, it almost takes your breath away. You like, you can't believe it. Like, wow. Like we're going to be, we're going to be part of this like legacy. Like that's, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so again, like no matter how, how much time goes by or how many things I work on, I still get that feeling every once in a while. We're like, wow, like this is, it's amazing to get to be a part of something like this. Right. Do you know, this is this is for my own definite like nerd thing. Do you know how much they had sp- like thought about this these three films um, from the beginning? Because rewatch uh, rewatching the 2018 one after watching Halloween Kills and then watching Halloween Kills and knowing that there's a third piece, like there were such little things from the from Halloween to Halloween Kills that that tie together so well that I'm wondering if, you know, if like, if the whole story was sort of like planned out early on, like between the three films or if they were kind of just go, writing it as they go. I mean, I'm sure David did have some, uh, like an overall overarching idea about this, what he wanted to do with these three movies. Yeah. I don't know what happens in Halloween ends. That's he okay. keeps that very close. Sure. To yeah. The chest. But, um, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, he's he's a very specific guy, and he knows what he likes. He loves like the sort of um, embracing the 
almost like the the B B horror movie tropes and things where you like you look into the camera, you do something that's just a little too cheesy. Yeah. You know, um, I remember there's one take. It didn't end up in the movie, but sort of towards the beginning, where I follow Michael down the alley, and then I like uh, I put my finger in this like f- bloody footprint, and then I look at my finger, and he's like, "Okay, now say ooh guts," and I was like, "He's serious." Um, I did it, obviously, uh, and, and didn't make it in the movie because <laughs> it felt ridiculous, but, yeah. you know, but a lot of stuff with like me and, and Jim in the house was like stuff that we just sort of made up or he would just shout stuff out and, um, which is a really great way to work. And he's, he's great at, um, at just tailoring a character to people's personalities. And I think he knew that me and Jim would have great um, energies playing off of each other and we're very, very different. And, um, yeah, no, I, and, and Halloween was another one I, that just came straight from David because he'd seen my work before and, uh, and, and was a, just a general fan and, and wanted me to be in, in the movie. And, uh, I was like, well, yeah, you know, I'd like, I, I would love to work with you, you know, in whatever right. capacity you'll have me. So oh, that was kind so of cool. a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah, he's one, he's David Gordon Green and Jody Hill. Like they're they're both uh, directors that whenever they ha- they announce that they're doing something, like I'm gonna watch it because mm-hmm. they have such their own style and specific uh, sort of things. Whether it's going to be something you know like a dark drama or a comedy or an incredible mix of the two, you know, mm-hmm. like there's it's uh, they're they're you know they're fascinating creators for sure. Yeah, I mean, David doesn't make a lot of similar movies. All of his movies are pretty different, except with the exception of the two Halloweens, obviously. Right, yeah. But, but they're all, yeah, he's, you know, he did the, the Boston Marathon movie and, uh, and I mean, even, you like, know, all the real girls and, like, he does, like, it's varied. Yeah, yeah. Like, George, I mean, I remember seeing George Washington, that first movie, because uh, we were talking about yesterday, like, Steve Padula from, from Thursday uh, being a friend of, of all of theirs, like, and right. I know he, he worked on that in some capacity. I think he did maybe like camera operator or like assistant or something like that. He, I know he had a part in it. So I was like, Oh my God, Steve from Thursday worked on a movie and, uh, <laughs> didn't know the whole, you know, like that was so early with David Gordon Green yeah, that I didn't know, you know, much about him at the time. And then from there, I just kind of followed his career ever since and uh it's i love the story arc of the movies that he's making now but yeah it's it's a fascinating fascinating career um well damn man uh i mean i could i could go through your filmography and and punish you all day about this stuff but uh (laughs) no but it's funny i like to hear it uh, like all compacted or consolidated in this way it was like oh wow it's like hmm, i should be pretty proud of that stuff like you should it's it's fun to hear like all the things that I've I've gotten to do it's yeah it's a yeah, nice reminder it, yeah and there's a there's a uh, me Earl me Earl and the Dead Girl is like definitely a movie that uh, Dying been, Girl Dying Girl dead, yeah. dead Girl sorry uh, <laughs> that I I know I need to see I I, I mentioned my my friend Mike uh, that I was I actually uh, can't believe you haven't seen that, that I know because I, I know I, that you're generally a fan of my my work but that yeah. I would I would say I would argue that that is my best work. Really? Okay. Well, it's on, it's on my list as far as acting goes, I think. Yeah. 
It's on Maybe my that's list not for, for sure. me to say. Don't get your hopes up too much. <laughs> <laughs> big, big thumbs down, Thomas. Real. <laughs> um, that's the one that ruined it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, buddy of mine, I, I, I saw last night was uh, was telling me that that uh, it's it's really great. So it's on it's on my list. But um, yeah, what, what I finished the show with asking, uh, do you remember the first time you felt like you were doing the thing that you had been working so hard towards? Yes. And you know what? It was on me and Earl and the dying girl. It was. Okay. It really, really was. Um, it was the first time where I felt like I worked really hard to just get the part. And I'd been, I'd, I'd read the script and my agents had sort of been circling it for a while, like wanting me to like, wanted to like position me for it. So then it was time to cast it. I was in like a good spot and all I had to do was like do a good job. And so I, I worked really hard. I had, you know, I had, and they cast the dying girl first. And then I was like pissed off about that because we had read together, you know. And then I had to read with, uh, I had to read with her again or a couple other, couple more times. And, and then I finally got the part after like writing the director a note and stuff. And um, I just wanted it so, so badly. And, um, and then to get to work with this director, um, Alfonso Gomez Rejon. He's uh, so brilliant and so detail-oriented and uh, just incredible taste in music. Brian Eno, most of the, most of the music in the film is Brian Eno. Oh, wow. Um, That's with awesome. a little bit of uh, original stuff by Nico Muley. Um, and so the music was incredible in the movie. Like, we had uh, Wes Anderson's producer on it and who brought like the art director from Wes Anderson's movies oh, over. Oh, wow. So just like aesthetically it was, I was like, it was right there. Oh, also the DP from Old Boy, Chung Hoon Chung, legendary cinematographer. Wild, wild so crew. So it was like the best version of everything. Yeah. And I was just like, don't, don't mess this up. And I, I it's like, I, I just worked so, so hard to make that movie, um, good or to just do a good job in it because um it just felt really important and um and just it was such a unique approach to that kind of story and we just wanted to make a really mature version of like a ya coming of age movie thing and um and and we you know me and rj and olivia who is me you know rj's earl and olivia is the dying girl um we all, it was just a profound experience for all of us. And we knew we were making something really, really special. Uh, and, uh, and then seeing, you know, seeing it at Sundance for the first time, like that was my first time at Sundance and, yeah, you know, and it, it won the grand jury prize and the audience award. And so it was just like everything It was just validated. It was like, you know, we did a good job and like, this is, you know, like if I could work on another movie that, uh, that feels this good, you know, that's, that would be it a miracle you know because it's it's i think if you get to work on like one movie like that in your career you're incredibly lucky oh that's um i love that where and i was proud of my the work that i was doing too you know yeah of course where did that shoot in pittsburgh in pittsburgh okay yeah yeah which is a beautiful beautiful very photogenic city if you i'm sure you spent time there yeah no no, it truly is uh yeah, well, that's that. You've completely uh, you've sold me on on watching that sooner, sooner <laughs> good, than later. Good, that's yeah, <laughs> that was your pitch. That's my yeah. goal. <laughs> uh, awesome, Thomas. Thank you so much. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. This was a thrill. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, it was it was a real pleasure to talk to you. Appreciate it. Yeah. See ya.
And that's our show. Thank you so much to Thomas Mann. And thank you for listening. Hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon if you want to support the show and hear a little more Thomas. Also, subscribe on uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you're enjoying this. I hope you have a nice holiday weekend. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Bye-bye.